Snowgoer Live, brought to you by Snowgoer Magazine and Snowgoer.com. From sled reviews to breaking news, riding destinations to gear evaluations, Snowgoer is snowmobiling. Now, here's our host, Snowgoer Editor, John Prusak. Welcome, everybody, to Snowgoer Live, where we plan to bring you some of the most interesting people and stories in the sport of snowmobiling. Recently, Norway's Elias Ischul wrapped up his fourth consecutive points championship on the ISOC Amsoil Championship Snowcross Series. That led to an extensive discussion here at the Snowgoer headquarters over where this young racer fits versus the best snowcross racers who have ever tried the sport. And that, in turn, led to a much larger project, as things around here usually do, where we pulled dozens of snowcross industry insiders and then dug into some statistics and came up with our own list of the top 10 snowcross racers of all time. Coming in at number 10 on our list was Dennis DJ Ekstrom, a strong and consistent performer who raced for multiple brands and wowed the crowds in the late 90s and the early 2000s. We're lucky enough to speak with him today to relive some memories and get caught up on his current life. Let's bring him into the conversation. And joining us right now, the driver of the number 25 out of Duluth, Minnesota, Dennis DJ Ekstrom. How you doing, DJ? I'm doing good. Good. Long time no see. Uh, um, I hope you're enjoying life and still uh, still enjoying snowmobiles in one way or another. Yes, I sure am. I, I like to still ride and uh, we go out and do a little mountain riding and ride with my kid and friends and family and stuff. So I certainly do still enjoy it. Fabulous. Well, let's uh, let's let's back way up now. Now we first met you uh, when you actually joined us at Road Reports. I think was the first time I met you way back in. Uh, geez, I think you were about seventeen years old when you came with us as uh, as the as a racer for Yamaha. Then, um, tell us how you got into snowcross in the first place and kind of how you how you ended up in this crazy world. So basically, my story goes: I used to race dirt bikes as a kid. I started that when I was ten years old. Um, I always wanted to kind of be, my dream was a professional dirt bike racer, like every kid does. Yeah. Um, I grew up on snowmobiles. We had basically a bunch of old ones around the house. My dad was always into them. And then of course, being from Duluth, there was always the big giant snowcross race up at Spirit Mountain. So I remember yes. being a kid and kind of watching that. And I actually got to be really good buddies with Carl Shabitsky. So we both, uh, you know, hung out and kind of rode dirt bikes, raced together. He started racing. I wanted to try it. So long story short, we both started kind of doing that up at Spirit Mountain and we both did well. So yeah, story goes, started getting some help and some sponsorships and winning a little bit of money and stuff like that. So from there, it just kind of took off and, you know, I kind of realized, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And it was kind of a passion what I wanted to do. So that's kind of how it took off and how it got started. Okay. So how old were you when you turned pro? Were you just like 18 or 19 years old? Oh gosh, I want to say I was a senior in high school, I think, the year I went pro, like when I signed pro, my junior mm -hmm. or sophomore year and junior year, I was racing semi-pro for Yamaha and then right. uh, Articat. And then I think in 2000, I signed with Sharing Speed Sports for, you know, my first kind of large contract. So, right. Okay. Right out of now, high school, basically. Okay. Now, uh, you know, we, we did this, uh, you know, top 10 drivers of all time, uh, a poll, did it two different ways. We, we did it among, you know, former race directors and current race directors and race team owners and media people and different insiders. Uh, we also did one with the fans that's separate from this. But whenever um, you were nominated by, by the, the, the Snowcross insiders, if you will, they always talked about 
um, how consistent you were, how you were always on the podium. Um, you know, one, one of the uh, things that's difficult about putting together that top 10 list is nobody has really good statistics through the whole era. But Greg Kramer, the former announcer, did a great job of, of cataloging the like 97 to probably 2003 era. And in mm -hmm. that era, other than Tucker and Blair, nobody had more podiums than you did. Um, what do you think led to that? What, what led to that level of consistency where you were always making finals when there were so many guys just trying to qualify for finals and always so far up there by the end of the race? Yeah, I guess, you know, it's a good question. I was pretty consistent, you know, like when I was a little kid, I was always taught not to break the snowmobiles. So I think maybe that helped. I mean, when I actually first started racing, I had to realize, you know, I got to go for it. So, mm -hmm. um, but I was, I would say, pretty smooth on a snowmobile. So that maybe led to, you know, consistency in races, um, you know, just being cautious on the track. And I guess I don't know. I just always wanted to win. So that led to, you know, being up front or trying to be in that top three position. And then obviously in a race for a team, you realize the importance of being up there on the podium and finishing that because it's great for the sponsors and for the whole team morale and for everything. So Right. That's probably what led to it. And I guess I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. It's just like, that's what I did. Yeah, you certainly weren't a, uh, a checkers or wreckers kind of guy where it was uh, mm -hmm. go for it at all costs. I mean, you know, we, we certainly saw plenty of those guys come through the sport that rode maybe a little bit more on the edge. You were fast but controlled is how, how I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You know, it, it seemed like I just always wanted to stay on the sled finish, you know, versus crashing or you know and there's times when you got to go for it and there's times when you know stuff doesn't always go right I mean you've seen plenty of crashes and yeah. you know over the years and I've had plenty of my moments and you know that's going to happen but all in all I just always wanted to to finish up front and you know go for the win or go for the you know at least being in the top three towards the end of the race. So so looking back now you know you've been retired for, certainly for a number of years what what year did you retire? Gosh, I think it was 2009, if I remember okay. back. Yeah, it was okay. my last season. So, 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 so looking back now um, at it, what would you consider the highlights? What, what are the moments that, that uh, stick in your brain the most where you felt like you were on top of the world racing? <laughs> well, obviously winnings, you know, number one, when you win a race, it feels great. But man, the highlights for me, I have to say there were moments when, you know, like I said, growing up and wanting to do something like that. And when you actually become a professional at it and when I was a kid I used to go up to the snowcross races and watch guys like Kirk Hibbert, Brad Paik, you know all the guys, Chris Vincent, uh -huh. you know the list goes on and on and in those years when I became professional I remember like lining up I mean Blair Morgan's there you know Tucker was younger but coming up on the scene mm -hmm. I mean it was a playing field that was unbelievable with talent so I mean there was moments when I actually caught myself like sitting at the starting line in Spirit Mountain thinking, holy crap, like, how did, I mean, <laughs> how did I get here? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so that was cool. And then big highlights, obviously, winning, like, Spirit Mountain was a big race, like I say, and you remember that over the years, like, everybody came there. It was such a big event. Mm -hmm. And to win there was huge. So I think yeah. definitely highlights of my career were winning my hometown race, which I think was 2005 and six. Okay. And pro open. So that was cool. Obviously other big events like X games was fun, you know, getting medals out there and, you know, sharing that hype and experience was pretty cool. Other highlights for me traveling around, like just, uh, 
all the experiences that came with it, you know, meeting you at 17 years old, being at the road reports, you know, stuff like that was just huge life experiences that I look back at it now and how fun was that? And, you know, to get the opportunity to do stuff like that was pretty cool. I think the other thing that a lot of people forget is that uh, oftentimes the, the people you race against become, you know, part of your social circle because these are people you're seeing every weekend. And so, you know, people get to know who, who's, who's cooking out food on, on Saturday night and who's doing what on, yeah. on Sunday and things like that. And it becomes a, a, I mean, you know, you had family who traveled with you, but aside from that, the entire group yeah. becomes a family. Well, you're absolutely right in that aspect too. Like, you know, me starting out off as a little kid, basically. Um, I had guys in the sport that helped me get to where I, I, I was, you know, I was close with Tim Mackey. Um, he helped a lot. He was a little older than me. Um, and I've met so many good people along the way. And like you said, exactly, it turns into kind of like, you know, a lot of people are friends and family and I still talk to and see a lot of those people to this day. So that's pretty cool. You know, other aspects, there's guys you don't really talk to. Like I remember racing with Blair and man, we were neck and neck, like a lot of times and he was a quiet he was quiet. I was quiet, but now I see him. I'm like, Hey, what's going on, man? You know, like it's yeah. just, you know, when you're kind of out there on the track battling, it's a different story, but you know, you just realize, you know, the talent level and you know, the amount of good people that I met over the years was, was pretty awesome. So, you know, Obviously, when when we're putting together our top ten list, you know, it's uh, the the top two are pretty straightforward. There's a lot of people Tucker, mm -hmm. Blair, Blair, Tucker, whatever the yeah. order is, but there's the top two. But can you think of anybody that you raced against that uh, you know, and maybe somebody who just made a you know a, a couple appearances or something, or it doesn't have to be that, but somebody that you were just wowed by that you're like, wow, that person can ride. Um, you know, there there was so many of them, John. Yeah. Honestly, like that's a tough question to answer i mean i have my moments when i think back i mean obviously blair tucker that always comes to mind where those guys would wow me on a daily basis when i was on the track with them and there's times you know we were battling just for the lead all the time and so that talent was there but i mean at a given time when you lined up on the track any guy could win you know getting in the right start so i mean there's guys like nathan titus uh herc yeah. hibbert you know those guys like with wall factor like holy man you know, they knew so much about snowmobiles and could ride a snowmobile so well. And the list goes on and on. I hate to even forget anybody because yeah. like you say, it's like, how do you put a pinpoint on it? There's so many moments that, you know, I probably can't even remember, but if I really <laughs> thought back, I could, you know, so that's tough. I mean, it, you know, there's, like I said, the, the talent was so good. It was just, it was tough. You know, Levi was great. TJ Gula, you know, all of them are so talented. It's just yep. crazy to put a finger on like, any any name out there so especially in the late 90s i i i'm, I'm kind of a a, a, a statist, statistical geek so i kept a lot of the like heat yeah. sheets and stuff like that and so to just go back and look at you know when there was 32 entries sometimes in in a given class and look at the people who didn't even make the lcq who yeah. i remember as being great racers but you know they they didn't even make the lcq on a given weekend and it was uh, amazing the the the, the the crew of racers you went up against and, and the people that would pop up every now and then and have a, a fabulous you know weekend but then you know maybe the next three weekends they wouldn't even make the final but they had that week where they were just had the bit yep no you're exactly right and i mean i remember how tough it was to make some of those finals it was you had to be on your a game you couldn't mess up you couldn't you know so you're exactly right like it was just the playing field was 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 a good one it was tough it was fun um it was very exciting and those were some good years, put it that way.
Yeah. So once you retired, what 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 part of the entire racing or being on the road or whatever? What what did you miss the most? What what did you look back on the next few winters and think, man, I could just be out there again? Yeah, I miss you know obviously being competitive like that. Like there's part of you that. I'm a quiet person, but I guess when, you know, I turn that on and that excitement or adrenaline gets going. So part of me missed that, you know, yeah. the travel, the, you know, seeing people that change, you know, I didn't, you know, see a lot of people on the scene anymore. I had little kids at the time. So it was like, oh, I got to transition into, you know, life and career yeah. and work. And so there's parts of that I missed. There's parts I didn't miss, you know, you get to an age where you're getting pretty beat up and yeah. sore and tired and, so, you know, it was all good, but I do miss, you know, some of the experiences and the travel and just honestly racing, you know, that's the biggest part of it. Like, that's why I did it was because I, I love to do that. So mm -hmm. we, uh, you'd mentioned, uh, Tim Mackey earlier, he's come with us to our road reports the last few years and, uh, done some test riding for us and it'd been our photo model and stuff. He's still hill climb racing, or he has been the yep, last few yep. years. You you look at somebody like Justin Tate, who you know is still doing enduros and cross countries yep. and stuff, and these Ironmen who uh, you know were well into their forties yep. or, or a few of them even beyond, they're still competing. Has, yep. Have you ever thought about getting back into it, or when you shut it down, it was um, like, okay, I'm shutting her down. You know, competitive level, it's pretty tough at this age, and yeah, you know, I still love the sport. Uh, we were just out three weeks ago riding with Timmy out in uh, Steamboat Springs, so. Did a little mountain ride and he took us out and basically nice. kind of guides us and i was wild by his skills on a mountain sled i was like holy man tim you have gotten really good so yeah. that was kind of cool to see and we had a blast out there so i you know i'm getting back into that just kind of seeing guys i want to see and going out and just enjoying it the competitive aspect i guess i don't see myself doing that right yeah. now but i still do love to ride and you know i have a bunch of snowmobiles and I won't stop doing that. That's for sure. As far as the racing side of it, do you keep in contact with it in, in any way? Do you go to a couple races a year or something or is it? Um, uh, yeah, I try to. Um, yeah. So pretty good friends with Matt Judnick and Anthony Judnick. Their dad still runs the Judnick Motorsports team for Polaris. And, you know, sure. so I go support those guys and support everybody who was at Canterbury this year. And, you know, obviously used to go up to Duluth here and there and watch. So don't have a lot of extra time, but uh, I like following yeah. that, seeing how those teams do and, kind of watching it and supporting them so sure well to wrap it up let's uh let's talk about what you're doing today and what's keeping you so busy talk about uh, your 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 business that you're running your family what uh what, what keeps dj busy today oh uh, so it keeps me busy i'm running a business that does epoxy floor coatings so uh i've grown that for i think eight years now or nine so each year we grow a little bit and it's getting busier and busier so um there it's just kind of a different world than what i did in the past obviously but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy doing quality work and, you know, trying to grow a business. So that's kind of like my new goal or careers or, you know, stuff like that is to try to just keep getting bigger and bigger. My sure. kids are great. I have a 13 year old son, Ashton, 15 year old daughter, Layla. So uh, we spend time out the lake, do boating. Um, so it's always kind of work hard, play hard <laughs> yep. type of deal. So if uh if if the the current version of you could talk to the uh, 14 year old or 15 year old version of you and give you some advice uh of getting into the sport and and really with this advice you're talking to kids today but you know let's pretend mm -hmm. like you're talking to yourself uh what advice would you have for somebody that wants says i want to be a snow cross racer i guess my best advice would be you can pretty much do anything you put your mind to i'm a firm believer in that if you try hard enough and you know stick with it um it's not going to be an easy road but 
if you have enough passion for it and you enjoy it, um, you'll get somewhere with it. So that'd be my best advice. Other advice would be, it is a lot of work. It is very, very fun, but you certainly can achieve it if you set your mind to it. The uh, um, I've been watching some of the videos uh, online recently of some of the races from from back in the day, and it's amazing the level of injuries. Um, back then, I would think even more so than compared to you know the current time. I don't know if that's a reflection of the of the machines have gotten that much better. You know, at, at the time, you know, when you were racing them, those were cutting edge machines and they were the best thing available. Right. You looked at people who raced 10 years earlier than you as being, uh, you know, savages for racing on what they uh, raced on. Do you, do you look back and say, God, I wish I had the equipment these boys have today? Oh, man. Like, I honestly, when I watch these races, um, these guys are going so fast. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, and... I watched some old videos of when we were out there with, you know, the trailing arm sleds and the older, I mean, we were going fast on those things, but yeah. it's gotten, the technology has gotten so amazing that, you know, when they're just wide open, I mean, yeah. and these machines are so good these days. So when you talk about injuries, that probably does escalate because what happens is you're going so fast and hitting this stuff so fast that, you know, unfortunately you, you end up getting hurt from time to time. Yeah. So, I'm sure that's probably more common, but it sounds like a very positive thing is that they got a lot of help at the racetracks with the, the medical staff and, and crews nowadays. So that sounds pretty awesome, you know, and that's yeah. come a long ways too. So I just watch these videos and, and again, comparing that era to this era, you know, when you guys would land, it would look like a bag of cement landing on the track every time. I mean, <laughs> you know, it would just clap out the suspension and stuff. And these guys just drift over stuff. It's uh, it's uh, <laughs> It's, it's certainly more beautiful the way with the with the machines that they have today than uh, what you guys had. But again, yeah. what you guys had compared to ten years earlier, you know, it was all yeah. relative. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Even some of these the this trail sleds nowadays, I laugh. I'm like, man, these are better than what I used to race. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like it's unbelievable how far the the industry has come in the last ten years. So pretty yep. cool. Ten, to see. ten years from now, we'll look back on what we're riding today and go, how do we yeah. get around in those things? That's insane. Right. All right. Well, we sure appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, congratulations on being voted a top 10 racer by, uh, by the, the crew of insiders and experts. Uh, you know, your career warranted that. So it was, uh, you, you earned that spot years ago and it, it's good to hear that people still uh, remember you as being that level of racer. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate that. And it's an honor to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, it was just an honor to do it and, you know, have the career I had. So I feel blessed and lucky for that and just had a lot of fun with it. Perfect. All right. Well, hope to, hopefully we'll see you on the trail or out at Tim's place in Steamboat one of these days. For sure. We'll have to get together. Perfect. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, buddy. Bye. See you.